0: Hi, this is the primal Cast.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, podcasting podcasting from Sydney, Australia. This is the Primodcast. Independent, unfiltered
0: and uncensored. Beginning in three, three two, two, one. Campbell
1: Newman, how are you, mate? Hey,
0: Chris. Thanks for having me, mate. Great to be with you
1: mate it's a pleasure uh so for the people listening do you want to just um sort of give them a rundown as to what you're doing at the moment you swap parties why you swap parties and what your vision is um moving forward summary summarize it i'm sure we could talk about that for an hour but uh mate just an introduction
0: Sure. well if people would know me as a former mayor of Brisbane and also premier of queensland um and uh, i was a member of the liberal national party involved with them for many many years but i left in disgust uh, around about August last year, and I joined the Liberal Democrats, who are a libertarian party. Um, so I just really wanna stress that I'm not with the LNP, I'm not a member of the Liberal Party, I'm a member of the Liberal Democrats, who you know, I'd put to you today and your view is that they're, they're the true liberals. Um, so libertarians, what are, they, what are they for? Well, they want government out of our lives. Okay, so where about when it comes to financial management of government, we wanna spend the taxpayer's dollar wisely. Uh, carefully, because it's come out of the hide of mums and dads and you know, ordinary people. Um, we want low debt, low, you know, we want balanced budgets, low debt, we want low taxes, and we want government out of our lives. And when it comes to social policy, it's real live and let live, we don't want to tell you know, I shouldn't be telling you how to live your life. Uh, and we don't, I don't want you to tell me how to live my life in terms of, you know, sexuality or things like voluntary assisted dying and the like. And, you know, I some people might not know but i like i backed gay marriage uh, years before anybody um you know of high profile in politics was prepared to do it you know i backed uh, gay marriage back in 2011 when i was leader of the opposition in queensland uh so that that's what we stand for and uh, we've got some great policies that we could talk about today absolutely so you're premier of queensland when what
1: years were your premier there
0: Look, I was was Lord Mayor of Brisbane from 2004 to 2011, and I resigned then after sort of getting the big tunnel projects going and delivering some of those and new bridges and buses and the like. Uh, And then um, from 2012 to uh, 2015, I was Premier of Queensland until I got hosed out the door uh, at at the end of January 2015. Um, So I've been in business since. So I've, um, you know, I've been involved in technology startups. I've been involved in Sky news uh, on a contract with them but my main thing is funds management so I, basically we we help people invest in in property um, and I've got a great business and I've got great business partners I really enjoy it and I want to say this as well up, up front today the idea of going back into politics standing for the Senate in Queensland is something I'm doing because I want to serve the community I'm so disgusted in you know the labor party the liberal Party the liberal National Party the greens on'm absolutely over the way they've uh you know stuffed this country up in the last two years and i i I just had to take a stand i just couldn't stand by any longer while you know australia was burnt to the ground and families were set against families and friends against friends and the company being country being ripped apart so that's why i'm doing it and you know i just say to viewers please you know give me a go here you know you might have a view about me from the past but uh, i really want to get in there into the federal parliament shake things up and serve you and your family
1: yeah mate and we need that i think you know the amount of division that's been brought upon in the past two years um it's incredible and over something that you would never think prior to this that there'd be so much division over someone's vaccination status it's bizarre that so many people seem to take it personally you've got one side who are um, it seems like you have to pick sides because you've got one side that's pro vax and you'd think they're getting paid by pharmaceutical companies the way they attack <laughs> yeah. anybody that thinks, yeah. you know, but and then you've got the other side where they're sort of hardcore, uh, I'm not going to use the term anti-vaxxers because I don't think it's appropriate uh, in this particular case. I'm sure some people who um, don't want to get this vaccine are anti-vaxxers, but a lot of people, um, they're not anti-vaxxers, they just don't want this particular one. Um, and, and the division, of causes is almost like you're pushed into a corner as to what side you want to pick. And that's being fueled by the government, first and foremost, uh, and then by the media, which is typical yeah. of a lot of issues. This isn't the first time it's happened. But we need someone to bring that balance back and, and to remind everyone that first and foremost, we're Australians. Rule one, that, that, that's the most important thing. And we need to stand together and unite as one. We're on our own little island, the bottom of the world. Uh, we need to stand together. And at the moment, the country is just divided in two. And it's a shame. Um, it's, it's a real shame. Um, you know, I'm proud of, of this country and I'm, you know, I'm very grateful to be born here. But it's disappointing to me to see the way the country is going. It takes a little bit of pride out of, out of it. Um, well,
0: I, I, I'm, I'm really quite shocked, yeah. Chris, about what's happened. And if you told me two and a half years ago, we'd see a pregnant woman being dragged out of her home by the Victorian police, I'd have said that and that had never happened for trying to organise, you know, a protest. If, if you would told me that people would be belted up by the police in Victoria or, uh, you know, subjected to batten rounds and, uh, you know, sort of pepper spray, et cetera, mm. having a protest, I'd have said, you're crazy. I'd have said, you know, like, you know, Australia you know, is into free speech and the right to protest and the like. I mean, uh, when I was Premier, people were protesting against things that my government was doing. We could talk about that, by the way, if you wanted to. But, you know, we didn't resort to those sort of tactics. And yet, supposedly, this is to protect people. So we're we're hurting people to protect them. It's just, just complete rubbish. So I guess, mate, the best way to probably talk about the, the position on this is, this is a thing called the Freedom Manifesto, which is the policy of the Liberal Democrat Party, the Lib Dems. And you can find it on ldp.org.au, Freedom. And basically when it comes to COVID, we've said this. This is an overreaction. It is a mm. massive overreaction. And it is a, a whole lot of fear-mongering by politicians, aid and abetted by the mainstream media who really should have known better. And so let, me,
1: let me just quickly ask a question. Sorry, back to that.
0: Yeah. It is an overreaction. Now it is an overreaction, mate. Do you yeah. think do you think it's intentional? I think. I think in a way it is, but it's an un- in, in some ways it's also unconscious. But it's like the politicians, if you deal with them first, they've dug themselves a hole so deep they can't get out of. Because uh, if they admitted tomorrow that, uh, yeah, they've got this actually quite wrong, they lost all perspective, they completely lost the proverbial, um, they're going to look really, really bad. And the media are in the same boat in a way, but for the media as well, they just love to continue to talk about this. I mean. Uh, most of the people I mix with now just, yeah, when, when there's stuff, you know, the stats come on, and then there's so many cases today and whatever, and you know, all these stats, I mean, let's go for God's sake, you know, people Mm. let it go. You know, we, we don't, we didn't, we didn't report breath, breathlessly, the number of flu cases in this country, you Mm. know, back in 2019. Who who would have given a rat's ass mate, if I can put it like that. So, so what we're saying in the Lib Dems is, and we said this, about September last year. Back then, we said it needed to happen by December, by Christmas. I'm talking in the past tense. We said that the vaccine mandate was terribly wrong. I know you want to talk about that. Terribly wrong. It shouldn't be happening. There should be no check-in apps. There should be no requirement for masks unless you as an individual want to do it. Everybody who wanted a vaccine should have the opportunity to get one, but it should be no coercion. It's a personal choice. The borders between the states should be open and the international borders should be open. We just get on with life. That's what we've been saying for a long time. we say saying today. And we're just getting there inch by inch as the, as the politicians sort of see the polls changing. Mm. And so they're changing their perspective, they're changing their line. Um, it was interesting when Perrottet in New South Wales, who's the best of the bad bunch, when he started to open up before Christmas... Daniel Andrews suddenly turned on a dime, and next minute he's opening up. So, mm. you know, look, it's it's incredibly poll driven by the politicians, and uh, it's about the political science, not about the the medical science. Uh, and sadly, by the way, the doctors have been coerced too. They've, mm. you know, many doctors are, are are very fearful to speak out and you know speak to the real issues here. Look, bottom line is COVID is a bad bug, um, but the Omicron variant is. Not nearly as dangerous as as, as the early variants. Uh, we're all going to be exposed to it. Probably going to get it. Most people are going to be a okay. Sadly, those who are you know elderly could die of it, and that's why they're the ones who need to be protected. And the people who've got uh, medical conditions they need to be protected and take steps themselves, personal responsibility to look after themselves. So that's our position. And we need we need. You know, we need to open up and let the people in the hospitality sector, the restaurants, the cafes, the people in the music industry who've suffered so terribly, uh, the tourism, the broader tourism sector, you know, the people who run adventure tours and the like. uh, All that, they have suffered so much, and it's time to let those people particularly get on with their lives. They've got every right to live as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they're still struggling. And I know in some places where they've opened up, like I've seen some footage from somewhere in brisbane and it was like a ghost town
0: yeah
1: um and the same thing in victoria like when you look at the footage through the main streets of melbourne it, it's almost looks deserted in some parts because businesses are closed and everything's up for lease and it's you know it's extremely disappointing and i feel well, for you've those got families- idiot
0: politicians who back uh, two years ago were saying "Oh, business would go into hibernation you know Freidenberg, mm-hmm. the federal treasurer you know was saying that for a while i mean how idiotic yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. the, by the way, that's the trouble with our politicians. None of them really understand what it really takes to actually set up a business, run a business, take responsibility to employ people um, because they are all a bunch of political hacks and we're seeing that. And mm. just, just to be clear again, I'm, I'm, I'm really over all of them. I'm over the liberal party and, and their, their brand of political hack and I'm over the labor party and their hacks and as for the Greens, well, they're they're, they're particularly left wing and, and dangerous in their views and what Absolutely. they do. Absolutely,
1: yeah. but we're seeing that, and you've, I'm sure you've heard the news over the past few weeks, is that they're they're going after um they're going after Joe Rogan something fierce. I feel for the guy; he's being mm. attacked from from every angle, and that's the problem, um as well, which is causing a lot of this. And we've seen this from the beginning, as to, for example, if I was to say something on social media. Uh, which is which could be true, and most of what I've said is true. And if there's ever something that um, I've said that turned out to be false, or, or, or you know, I'll always accept that and apologize and remove it or whatever it may be. But I've never intentionally said the wrong thing to persuade anybody. To, I don't. You don't need to do that. But if you or I wanted to say something, um, let's say for example, which I've been pulled up on it many times by social on different social media platforms, um, that how important. Vitamin D is in terms of um, severity of illness. It was removed for misinformation. And you get people saying that, you know, you're not a doctor, you can't speak about that. But yet, when other people, politicians, um, you even get influencers on social media that talk about getting vaccinated. Well, who are they? If I'm not a doctor, they're certainly not a doctor either. So yeah. it, it's strange how there's this narrative that's being pushed by the mainstream media, by the tech giants. Uh, by the government and you can say whatever you want to say it doesn't matter your qualifications that's irrelevant so long as it's in line with that narrative when you speak against the narrative or you say something that doesn't really line up with that you're criticized your posts are removed i know many people good people have had their accounts completely removed banned deleted um and it seems to me that these people that are not just the government and politicians, but also the the health officials, the doctors that get up and speak at the press conferences, they're not stupid people. They're not idiots. They're intelligent people. Not all of them, but some of them are intelligent. And you think, how are you believing this? Like if, if my if my year eight, year nine education level can see this for what it is, then surely you can see that something doesn't add up. But it's like they're trapped in Mm. the narrative. And, Uh. yeah, and I make that point on one of the last podcasts I did that you have a lot of good people that are stuck on the wrong side who may want to say something, who may want to speak out, but they can't because they're trapped. They'll they'll lose their jobs. They'll get criticised publicly, humiliated by the media. So they just keep their mouths closed and continue to go along with it. I feel like that's happening a lot. Even with some politicians, I feel like that's happening.
0: Look, it sure is, mate, and it, it is, you, you know, using a, a word to describe what you've said, it is a case of groupthink uh, where they have, you know, like I said earlier, they've dug themselves a hole. They can't get out of it, and it and it, it sort of perpetuates. But, yeah, look, I've got to say, over the last two years, I mean, and particularly I've been on Sky News Australia talking about this stuff, so I'm well and truly on the public record. This didn't jump on the bandwagon here. You know, like, if we go back, say, to April 2020, almost two years ago... Yeah, we had a situation then when the then health officer in Queensland, uh, Jeanette Young, uh, who's now the governor, um, mm. she wouldn't approve a four-plane overflight on Anzac Day. So just, I don't know if you recall that, but so mm. four aeroplanes, four separate aeroplanes, four separate pilots couldn't fly over the Gold Coast in Brisbane to to commemorate, you know, our war dead and that people have made that sacrifice to the country. But then she waved through a, a funeral for an Indigenous group, uh, family in in Mackay. And, you know, you've got you, the first one's illogical, but then you've got the overlay of that with the inconsistency. And time and time again, we've seen, you know, supposedly science served up, which is illogical, inconsistent, arbitrary, downright stupid, at times callous, uncaring. You know, people who've given birth to babies, they then can't, you know, what you know, a lady's given birth to a baby, you then can't, nurse her baby she's essentially removed because of the covid risks at the time and in the hospital system in Queensland. people who couldn't get across the border get back to their homes who were forced to camp in their their cars or caravans you know at um, the and they were queenslanders they were trapped out for three four months they couldn't get back i mean it's just been so wrong mate and Mm. you know i For then, the media who normally in normal times would have jumped up and down, it would have been on a current affair. You know, the premier of the day would have been, you know, hauled over the coals and Mm. castigated for being cruel. No, you know, free pass. It's like, you know, it's like the the special card of Monopoly, you know, you can do what you damn well want. Yeah. Yeah, So it it, it has been crazy. And, you know, it's good though that people, you know, there are people out there who've woken up and uh, who are pushing back. And frankly, We've all got to do it.
1: Yeah, That's absolutely. Enough. I yeah, mean, there's... look,
0: you walk, I was walking before coming on your show today, I was walking down Queen Street, I had to do some business in town to, to go and see the accountants and whatever, and you walk down Queen Street and there is no requirement to wear a mask out in the open air, but I would say that about 80% of people were wearing masks. What for? Fear. What? What? Yeah, Fear. Mm. Fear, and it's not just. And I think it. And the worst thing is, I don't think it's fear of getting Omicron. I think it's fear of just put someone going. Why aren't you wearing a mask?
1: Well, I think it's fear that's driven. Well, by I can tell you, mate. Media. I
0: wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, good man. <laughs> okay. It's it's nonsense like this.
1: It's fear, and, and that's been, you know, start, spread by the government, and pushed into everyone's lives by the media. Where well, you can't escape it. It's everywhere, um, and a lot of people, unfortunately. They, they, when you're in, look, it's, it's hard to explain, I guess, until you're in the situation, but we all know what it's like. If you're in, just say someone storms into your home with a gun, right? Your ability to think at that point is limited because you're in a state, that you're in fear, you're in shock. And a lot of these people that get their news, majority of their news from mainstream media outlets are in that same state. Where they're so scared of this thing, where they truly believe if they get it, they're gonna die. And re- reality, that only applies to a percent or two of the population. You know, high 90% of, of the population don't even need to think that way. Just think, yeah, I'll get it. I'll either won't know I've got it or I might have a bit of a flu, but that's it. But people are thinking, I'll get it. I wonder if I die. It, it's hmm. that's the way of thinking. And I'm sure a lot of those people wearing masks, um, are doing it for that reason, but as you said, also because they don't want to be judged by others, people to point at them and if you're not wearing a mask. Um, but that's what they've done with, you know, the message they've been driving home now for two years. There's been two years of it. And they haven't, at this point, they don't need to speak about it anymore because the people will do it for them. They'll, they'll you know, you're not wearing a mask. They'll judge people. People get judged for not being vaccinated by members of the public because of what the media and the government have done.
0: Yeah. So, well, I, 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 I've seen that, um, you know, I know, I know of situations where, where, where the couple, a couple, you know, a husband and wife have been at, you know, at, at, at each other, because the, like the husband is concerned about the kids being vaccinated as part of the, you know, the, the mm. government sort of you know extension of almost the mandate sort of thing, whereas the wife thinks they should be vaccinated. And that's created a bad situation for that couple. Mm. Um, and, you know, my view is that it's a decision that they should make after talking to the family doctor. Going in position, though, is that, you know, we were told for two years that kids um, had very little to fear from 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 COVID, yeah. period. Um, you know, that, I mean, the whole vaccine mandate thing is quite outrageous, if you want to talk about that as well for a moment. I mean, it's just, you know, there, there, there has been for many decades, a principle of informed consent, where you, as an individual, um, if you're being advised about a medical treatment, you are meant to be treated in a certain way. You're entitled to seek alternative uh, views. You shouldn't be forced, coerced, bullied into taking a treatment. You should have um, the medicos talking to you properly explain the benefits and the potential risks. Well, mate, that's still up on you know government websites. If you go to the last time I checked, if you go to the Victorian uh, government website, it still talks about informed consent, and it's all there. You can you can Google it; it'll be there. Yeah. But when it comes to COVID, just throw that stuff out the window, um, yeah. and it, it's wrong. And then to say to people, "Well, you can't earn a livelihood. You can't be a teacher. You can't be a police officer. You can't work for a major transport company or a major um, you know supermarket uh, group." it's, that's, that's it. It's outrageous. Um, and yeah, my position on it is, look, I, you know, I've been vaccinated. My wife's been vaccinated. Um, you know, I had AstraZeneca. I can tell you now I I had uh, 24 hours. It knocked me on the head. And I think there was some lingering effects, but generally fine. On the other hand, my wife, she's had some ongoing health impacts, um, which is unfortunate. You know, she, she's okay, but, yeah, it, it's important we do talk about these things because I still would have had the shot and she still would have had the shot. But I'm buggered if I should be forced to have additional shots or mm. should have been forced in the first place. That was my decision. And I shouldn't be saying to you uh, that you should have a shot. So, another way to look at it is if you said, Hey, Cam, let's meet up and go and have a, have a drink at such and such a pub, I don't care two hoots if you've been vaccinated or not. I have, mm. I've got my protection. Why should I care if the person next to me sitting at the bar has had the shot or not? I mean, I think what, what, what do I care? And it, the, the only argument they had for vaccine mandates was that you know if you were vaccinated, you couldn't be then a carrier. Well, we know now factually mm. that's not the case. You can give, you can carry it, it's 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 a it's a vaccine that simply mitigates mitigates the impacts of the bug. It doesn't stop you passing it on. So at that point, there is absolutely no argument for the vaccine mandate. No logic whatsoever, and that's why it's so wrong. So we just want to quickly mention the Prime Minister. That's why I am so cranky with him, because he has said publicly he's against them, but then he stands back and he lets state premiers go ahead and, and force this on the let, let me make
1: this clear. I just want to ask this question, make it very clear. If he wanted to right now, Scott Morrison, yeah, could
0: he override vaccine mandates? Um. The answer to that is he at least should have a go. And I think he's got a number of mechanisms, Chris, where he could actually have a red hot go at shutting it down. There's three, there's, there's several, there's several hooks he could use. One, of course, is dollars. Mm. Yeah, and I look, I I've I've had it up to here with Morrison because he hasn't shown leadership. He he has not stood up and actually got the state premiers to give us consistent rules and regulations. It's all over the shop, as you mm. know, as everyone knows. So what he should have said last year is listen, ladies and gents, this is in November. We are opening this country up. We're in the room today. I want you to agree. We're gonna we're gonna debate this. It's not a not a dictatorship. We are gonna debate what the rules and regulations should be, but we're gonna walk out of this room with a set of agreed principles that are gonna be adhered to. And one of them is we're not gonna have a vaccine mandate. And if if you want to do your own thing, that's fine. But I'll then tell everybody. That it's not okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut your funding on certain things. Yeah. So that's what he could have done. The other thing he could have done is I'm gonna you don't want to open the border, West Australia. I'm gonna take you to the High Court. Or he could have also said I'm gonna introduce legislation to the federal Parliament using some of the human rights legislation Australia's already got, um, or international treaties we've signed, and actually use that power to actually force the states to open up or stop vaccine mandates. So there are a range of mechanisms, mate. And, you know, um, you know, just speaking about another party who tried to do it, I mean, Pauline Hansen and One Nation tried to wheel in legislation, well, did wheel in legislation, and he squibbed it. He wouldn't support them. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. You know, as you can tell, I'm pretty angry about it. Um, he could have tried, he, he should have tried at the very least, at the very least, he he, he should have had a go at it.
1: Yeah, and look, I don't think it it'll hurt him, um, in terms of because you know what, if the people that want to get vaccinated will will do it, whether there's mandates or not, and the people that don't want to, like myself, uh, it doesn't matter whether there's mandates. Like I lost my my job over this back in in September last year. That was a job that it's all I know. I was doing it for years. I spent a lot of time uh, training and, and and you know uh, educating myself and trying to progress in the field um, and it was uh, working in mental health. so mm-hmm. I worked uh, in transitioning uh, long-term mental health um, units, um, those those patients back into the community yeah. um, and it was extremely rewarding so um, it, it hurts in terms of obviously financially it hurt but also it took away something that, that was that you know fulfilled me I guess yeah. um, for doing something that's important, very important um, but you know that was taken from me just like that. Because of mandates. Um, however, since then, I still I'm still in contact with a lot of the, my old employees. I was a manager there, so um, again, it was a big loss for me and my family. But um, I still talk to a few of the boys that I used to work with, and um, nearly all of them have caught it. Practically all of them, I think maybe except one or two, um have caught COVID, and they're all vaccinated. Um, where there's me, who's not vaccinated, and I can't catch it if I tried. So right it's it's well, so
0: bizarre. Oh, mate, I've got a I got a next-door neighbor, literally just round the corner from me now here today who um is just round the corner and he his wife's just had the last two weeks. He's been right as rain. It's a weird bug it, sure, it certainly is. Yeah. But isn't it crazy what's happened inflicted upon you and other people you know because you know at the end of the day you're just one person but there's another person there, another person there and a nurse there and a police officer there and these people have been like you remove from helping people in the community. That's gotta have an impact. I mean, I, I had you know psych, psychologists contacting me a couple of months ago when this all started to really go down, you know, being, they couldn't work, you know, counseling, you know, 50, they might have 50, 60 patients who they're, they're assisting. Some of those people may, may have had quite significant issues, you know, and they, they suddenly, the person they trust, who's provided that supports can't deal with them anymore. And that's got to yeah. have an impact and that's wrong. And that's the unintended consequences of this stuff just get glossed over all the time, mate. It's, it's, it's shocking.
1: It is shocking. And you know what? So during 2020 and 2021 before the mandates, um, you know, I had the choice of whether to work or not to work. I could have, I could have done something else um, and sort of more of, I could have worked from home a lot more. Uh, But throughout 2020, 2021, unvaccinated, no one was vaccinated, obviously, I would still go into hospitals and work with these patients um, and take that risk, knowing. And at the time, no one really knew what this thing, especially in 2020, no one knew how bad this thing was. I mean, we saw footage of people just dropping dead in the middle of of Wuhan. We're thinking, shit, how bad is this thing, right? And, And yet people like myself still made that choice to go to work and still do our job, do our part. Um to then be told a year later that you no longer have the ability to perform your roles, which is what the, the notice said. It's hard. It's hard to accept that because it's like, well, hold on. What about last year when I was, when I was, you know, praised and, and celebrated for, for doing my job now, all of a sudden I can't, I haven't got the ability to do that role. That's what, that's, that was the worst part of it. I think for myself, and I'm sure for many others, but you know, it's not right. It's unAustralian, Australian. Absolutely. It's, there's no place for, for mandates, especially vaccination mandate, vaccine mandates um, in this country. And to me, it seems like the federal government, they say one thing in terms of not wanting it. And, you know, there's no vaccine mandates and Morrison doesn't support them, but the lack of action, even a mm-hmm. phone call to to Dan or to, to Mark and say, listen, yeah. pull up. You're a bit overboard. Like I'm sure. you know, But there's. I
0: mean, he's, Look, they, they are, look, make no mistake that the premiers have been the villains as, as much as uh, anyone has. Uh, but Morrison has been just missing in action. I mean, I, you know, you know, one of the big reasons, Chris, that I left the, the Liberal Party is because I see him and the parliamentarians around him. They, they stand for nothing, mm. they deliver nothing, they don't, they don't believe in stuff. It's like I joined you know, the Liberal Party, used to be, for, be, for example, about individual freedom. You know the freedom to choose these things, and you know uh, the Liberal Party of even you know ten to twenty years ago would you know that the members of the party wouldn't have copped a situation where the prime minister stood by and did nothing, but now they're just a bunch of sheep that that won't stand up and be counted, and he he just won't rock the boat. Um, by the way, I share this with you. I mean, you know, I have talked um to uh, one of the federal MPs from Queensland in recent weeks, who uh, basically says, well, in you know, related to conversation he'd had with the PM and essentially, you know, this guy reckons that uh, the PM really is quite happy for there to be a mandate. It, it's a, he's literally a case of saying one thing, been quite happy to let the premiers go ahead and, and do it. You know, yeah, well, so... Absolutely, you can see that. It's just totally false. I mean, that's that's what I think now by yeah. his actions or his lack of action, yeah. His lack of actions
1: and he, he hasn't been... Like, from we can think back to the bushfires. No, everyone deserves a holiday. Absolutely, no problem. But time and a place for that, um, and that that sort of um, because before that, I I used to I didn't mind him. He was all right. And then yeah. over the years, though, you start he almost has removed himself from the picture. Like he, he's you rarely hear from him. The premiers have been leading it. Now he he did when we first got the virus in Australia, he was handling the majority of it. Uh, which I think was a great thing because there was uniformity across all the States. Everyone was acting and going in the one direction. Um, And you could sort of get behind that to a certain extent because you didn't know much about the virus. So, but now as the the data's come out and the information's come out, he sort of, you know, stepped away from it. And the premiers have been running it. Now it seems to me that the worst are Anastasia up there in Queensland, Daniel Andrews in in Victoria and and Mike McGowan. Mike McGowan is,
0: He's very bad he's very very bad I I, I just well I, I we he he and Daniel Andrews I just I it's yeah I, I just think that the power trip these people are on it's extraordinary it's Ooh. like it, it, it is absolutely extraordinary the things that have been inflicted on you know the people in their state that people um, you know, from outside the state who, who might be relatives or, you know, people who need to, you know, to need to go in there. I mean, you know, they like to brag in his government, in the down government about, including him, of course, um, about how well they're doing because of iron ore. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of iron ore miners who come from the eastern states hmm. who've had to be away from their families for long periods of time and they couldn't get in and out properly because of the restrictions. And they've kept... They've kept the wheels going for WA and for Australia. You know, digging the stuff out of the ground and sticking on ships going overseas. But you know, they, they have suffered a terrible price. They can't. They couldn't get back to, to see their loved ones.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I think the approach that he's taking over there, Mike McGowan, is similar to the approach that every every state took, which was lockdowns, um, restrictions on on you know, all different events you go to and, and social settings. Um, then lift those restrictions, COVID takes over, put the restrictions back. That's what it's been like. But you can't stop it. Like what he's doing, he's just prolonging the problem. It's not going to go away. It's not going to give up and say, oh, you know what? He's very tough. That marker, I'm I'm going to back away. No, it doesn't work like that. At some point, they're going to have to open up. At some point. And when that happens, the virus will not go away. Then it's going to start taking over. Um, Because if you compare... The, the cases in New South Wales, especially in New South Wales and Victoria, um, to to WA, a large part of, of the states on, on the east coast have had their, they, they've had it. The, the population has gone through the population. People have got natural immunity to the virus and all the rest of it. So when it go when it does take off over in Western Australia, because it will, they're gonna have a huge. They're gonna have a massive headache.
0: There will be there will be a catch up, and uh, you know you know, it, it is putting off the inevitable. I should say one thing then about looking forward as well, you know, the Lib Dems position is, and we've been calling on uh, for this prior to Christmas. So we've, we've, we've been talking about this for a while, but we reckon there should be a Royal Commission into mm. the way this has been handled, where we get to look at everything. We get to look at, you know, the public health response, Um, the way the restrictions, the border closures were were handled, um, the role of the state premiers and the health officers. uh, Particularly, I want to get in and find out about decisions about the vaccines and Mm. the interaction between bureaucrats, politicians and the uh, senior people in these drug companies, the deals that were done. They need to be really examined, what undertakings were given. Uh, and whether all the information that should have been released to the public has been released. So that's a big exercise. Mm. And, you know, you know, frankly, there's a few people I think ultimately should be in a lot of trouble about what's going on. But, uh, you know, we won't know till we, we get into it. But that should happen. It can't, it just can't be no. sort of swept under the carpet. We just, oh, life, let's just move on. I mean, we have really hurt this country. We've hurt people. We've hurt people in business. Um, and uh, we have to get to the bottom of it.
1: There's been a lot of issues, and I think especially around health in terms of the messages that we've received from the so-called health experts. So just – and I've known this for years. I'm sure a lot of people have known this, you know, from very early on. Um, And yesterday – I came. well, not yesterday, but I shared it yesterday – a study, a peer-reviewed study out of Israel, peer-reviewed study that showed that, um, if you're vitamin D deficient, you're fourteen times more likely to end up um, with a severe case of COVID. Fourteen times more likely. That's huge. But there's been nothing, no talk about that from the health experts. And in fact, what did they do? They decided to lock us inside our homes, out of the sun. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right? So yeah. what? What? I mean, they've contributed. I thought. Well, they have. They've contributed well, well, and well, let's let's look at that and just, just to look at the what, what that might be, you know, explaining as well, Chris. Because it's like you think about this we have seen when, when do we when have we seen these waves successive, successive years in the northern hemisphere going into winter? Once mm. the, the days are shortening, uh, um, you know, the do you know, the, a northern European winter, you know, like um, in, in the UK and the like, United States as well. Um, they've, they've seen, you know, it's my perception, there's been a big increase in cases in the winners. In Australia, where have we seen more issues? Victoria. Mm. Now, Tasmania might be an, an exception because they were pretty well sealed off. They managed to keep it mm. out. So I guess, yeah, maybe that's there's something there. But Victoria particularly, you know, you a sort of far more fearsome winner, if I could put it that way. Whereas up here in Queensland, you know, the sun's out, people are out and about. We that, that very much could be the thing. So, I mean, of course, we get vitamin D naturally by being exposed to sunlight, as you were but, alluding before. So, you know, like, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it?
1: It does make sense. And it's not just with COVID. I mean, it's all viruses that you get. You're talking the flu and just your common colds. If you are vitamin D deficient, you're going to have a much tougher time. We've known this for years. It's not new. It's not new. And... If I would have to imagine, these health officials knew about it. There's been many studies that were done over the past two years. But the problem was that the minute someone would speak about those studies, the post would get removed for being well, misinformation. It looks
0: like this, surely, surely, during this whole two-year period, people, apart from all the stuff we've been talking about, the restrictions and the, you know, the 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 the, the, the don'ts, there should have been some do's and. I cannot recall um, uh, health officers or politicians standing up and saying, "Here's some advice on how to be in the best position to combat the disease." Mm. Yeah, you know, like you know, you know, sort of, we've been we've we've not heard a lot of about the preventative sort of stuff. You know, in terms of no. the individual and what steps they can take to look after themselves.
1: Yeah, and even just general health. I mean, when we were locked down, we we're locked down for a long time, a long time, and um, you know, a lot of elderly people who may have used to go to bingo or whatever they where they do during the during the weekdays, were no longer able to do that, so they're sort of hibernating inside their homes. Um, and you know, you would think that a health official would say, listen, even forget about the correlation between vitamin D and the severity of COVID, just in general." Just, hey, listen, remind everyone, because you're not in the sun and you're spending majority of time in, indoors, maybe look at, you know, getting a your, your, your blood test done, checking your levels, if not supplement with things like vitamin D because you're probably not going to get it from being outdoors. Mm. Just there was none of that. There was no talk about exercise. And, in fact, they shut the gyms down, but they left open the bottle shops and tobacconists. And you start thinking, well, how can this be about health?
0: It can't be. It's Remember important. what I said before, mate, about, about lack of logic? Mm. Yeah, well, my job. Glad they didn't shut. I just want you to know, I'm glad they didn't shut the bottle shops. Oh, but I think a lot of people
1: are. A lot of people but, are. But, but I agree. Yeah, you would think that if it's if it's about health, that you would think that those like if you were sitting in a boardroom having that discussion, what's the first business be shut down? tobacconists and, and bottle shops.
0: Yeah, oh, and, fast, and food. fast food, fast and fast food takeaway was you
1: know that was all still still hot to trot wasn't it? That's right. But, you know, alcohol usage increased dramatically as did domestic domestic violence, which is probably a combination of, you know, people being around each other a lot more in in the home um, and the fact that people were drinking more because I was bored. So when you add those two things together, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, And not to mention that people were getting a lot more Uber Eats delivery takeaways from these fast food restaurants. So the overall health of our nation during the last two years, I can promise you would have declined dramatically.
0: I, I think this, it, well, again, that's that's a case of this. They just have looked at one dimension and they haven't looked at all these other things that happened and you, you talked about your role in mental health. Well, you know, that we, we know now that there have been, an, there's been an explosion of mental health problems uh, across the country, particularly for the young, uh, we know there's been an increase in suicides we've seen figures for, for some of the states now you know and it, it yeah you know, it just it just just really gets me that, that this was all foreseeable at the time and I'm not being wise after then again people like myself were talking about this from mid you know may June 2020 we were talking about this in the mainstream media so on Sky news mm. and yeah you, know, you could see it but you know, that was all just no. The only thing we're we're about dealing with now is this one disease. Just it's just wrong.
1: Yeah. i I seen your an interview you did on Sky News with Andrew Bolt um regarding something to do with hopefully you can explain it a little bit more because it, it was a bit of detail, but it wasn't, you know, the full picture as to laptops or something getting deleted, the data of laptops getting oh, deleted. Well,
0: that's, yeah. Oh, well, like there's, there's, well, there's been a, there's been a, there's been a sort of a, a furor up here uh, in the last two weeks in Queensland um, over integrity issues in government. So, basically, that story is there was, um, there were some allegations made that a, a particular person had been engaging in illegal lobbying. They weren't, a, you have to be a registered lobbyist to actually lobby um, a minister in the government about decisions or whatever the allegation was that somebody uh, who had been in or was in the alp had been t- taken money to lobby this particular minister there was evidence uh, supposedly on this laptop computer and it was in the integrity commissioner which is a, a job in Queensland. it's meant to make sure that these things are run properly according to the law and there was there was this evidence on a laptop and what's happened is that people unknown, but from the Public Service Commission have used their own swipe cards to get into the Integrity Commissioner's office, seize this laptop, it was taken away, and the potentially incriminating material was was erased. So, like, that's a cover-up, you know, and Mm. this is under the Palaszczuk government, Uh, But then there's been a whole lot of other things that have come out as well about, for example, ministers in the Palaszczuk government using their private emails to conduct Mm. official business. And just so you know, your viewers know, basically, what's that about? Well, that's about people trying to run around the freedom of information, as they're called in Queensland, right to information laws. You know, anything that a politician does in terms of the official job, as opposed to party political stuff, Everything they do is on the record and the mm. records that are generated are public records and they are owned by the people of Queensland or the people you know, people of Victoria and New South Wales. You can't use your private email address appropriately to actually make decisions of government. And so these people have, you know, there's no doubt about this, I'm not saying mm. alleged, they have been doing it and we're now finding out um, from some whistleblowers who are public servants saying you know, that, um, you know, they were coerced into trying to to actually not adversely report about this stuff. Um, uh, So there's there's quite a cloud uh, over the Palaszczuk government at the moment on these things. I
1: saw um, where she was getting questioned about that the other day and she went red. She went red. She broke out this rash. It it
0: was was very interesting, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Very interesting because I've never seen her rattled like that. Mm. Not publicly anyway. I haven't seen her like that. and She was rattled.
0: Well, as you know, you know, she was my political opponent um, Mm. and uh, some people might go, oh, this is just Newman and sour grapes. But, I mean, the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, you know, she hasn't really been given the same sort of treatment that I got when I was Premier. I was usually flambéed every press conference. That's the game. That's what it's about. So I'm not whinging about that. I'm just saying that's what she needs, that sort of scrutiny as well from the media. And it's only recently that she's been getting that from the mainstream media. The other thing she, she she's done, mate, is that she loves to blame me. So she just goes, oh, you know, but Campbell Newman, but Campbell Newman did this or did that. And so I've actually issued a challenge to her. And in the last few days on social media, I've said, look, you've got to keep, if you want to refer to me, let's have a debate. Let's have a debate sometime in the next four weeks. You know, let's pick a place and time and we can debate integrity and we can debate uh, the track record of our governments. And so I'll put it out. And she's not going to, she's not going to agree to it, but like, I'm just, I'm a bit over it, Chris, about me being excuse number one. And like, I'm, you know, I mean, you know, I, I would be happy to really demonstrate to people that, you know, she's full of it when she talks about, some of these things, and and uh, she's she's got to do some explaining. So there it is. She can either debate me. Or perhaps she might refrain in the future from from uh, talking about you know things that happened sort of seven to ten years ago.
1: Yeah, it's incredible up there. I mean, it, it's I'm pretty. I wouldn't say I'm lucky because I shouldn't. We shouldn't be. No one should be in this position anyway. So we're not, I'm not lucky here in New South Wales. But New South Wales seems to be not doing too bad in terms of like I can go and live my life. Practically as normal, um, there's not much difference in terms of what I can do to someone who's vaccinated can do. But in Queensland, I've got a few people I know up there and that aren't vaccinated. They're still stuck. Still. So like mm-hmm. I don't understand how this doesn't get called out because we know now. that they, Look, if the vaccines were 98% effective, not even 100%, 98% effective at, at stopping someone from catching the virus, therefore spreading it. You could, I guess, make an argument, even though it's not right and it's still not compatible with this country. You could make an argument that it's necessary. But we know that that's far from reality. In fact, I think it was like the other day I seen who was it? Senator Rennick sent it to me of the cases in New South Wales, and 99% of all the cases were fully vaccinated, 99% of cases. There's only 95% of people vaccinated. So you can see there that there's something going seriously wrong. But how they can still, you know, segregate the people based on that vaccination status is completely illogical. Yeah, it is. And And they they ought to be called...
0: Yeah, you you really put your finger on it. That is the pivotal issue. You know, and, you know, the, 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 the logic is you know you could you could you could you could mount a case even though I don't think it's a good thing but you could mount a case that you know if if it if vaccination stopped the spread then you know it's a, it's the greater good argument you know yeah. that 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 will actually kill kill the pandemic but you know that that's been proven to be wrong it, it's blown out the window so like why are we why are we doing this it, it it comes down to an then it comes back to individual choice and it's it's wrong and You know, I I get frustrated, you know, being asked to show my papers, you know, like, so I won't use the app, by the way. So I printed the stuff out, I carry it around my wallet. But you imagine, you know, if we think about where we've come from, two and a half years ago, the idea you'd front up to a cafe or restaurant and somebody would be asking you to show your papers, yeah. Before you can come in, I mean, give us a break. It's you're dismissing, it wouldn't and I, I, tr- I try and be, you know, on my best behavior and polite to the people asking when I go in, but God, it gives me the shits. <laughs> it really oh, it does, I mean, it's it does. really it's bad news. You'd like to lash out, but they're not the person to lash out to. But I mean, mm. you know, because they, they'll, 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 the next thing they've got the police turning up on their doorstep, heavying them, mm. you know. If I, by the way, if I was a serving police officer, I'd be just refusing to, to in, be involved in that sort of stuff. And this is where, by the way, mate, I'll have a go at a few. It, it, this is where a lot of the unions have been completely um, missing in action. They haven't stood up for their members. They haven't backed their members who want to you know, opt out. Yeah, and, and it's appalling. And I, I just urge people who are union members, when the next union election comes around, why don't you have a look at the candidates next time around and work out who, you, who, you, who your friends were? You know, it's an important thing. You know, a lot of these people should be turfed out like, um, you know, because they, they have really sided with government, not with the the employee.
1: Yeah, but listen, if they were to do that, I can't imagine that many police would be willing to participate in it because I know a, I know a lot of I've had, I'm not joking, I've had hundreds of police officers message me privately um, who have told me that they hate it. They don't want any mm-hmm. part of it. Some of them have resigned and others have resigned yeah. after they've talked to me about it uh, or gone on leave for months at a time because I don't want any part of it. So if it was optional, that's the problem. If it was optional and the police got a say whether or not they they policed that or they didn't, they'd have no one out there going to businesses because I but can't but imagine here, many well, of here, people would want here, to do Here it.
0: was my point, mate. To me, from, from my point of view, if I was a police officer, this is an issue worthy of a strike. But okay yeah, it it's like you know like why is it just got to be about paying conditions if, it, if it's if it's well think about probably Vic, victoria is an easier one to talk about because mm. what happened in victoria was so extreme so un-australian so so authoritarian at times violent mm. you know police officers should have walked they should have gone on strike mm. you know it you know, um, it 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 was just it's just so wrong what's happened. I mean, you know, we've seen the footage of uh, the protester being thrust thrown to the ground in Flinders Street Station. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, um, and and that person was significantly injured. And they are being charged now, I think. Finally, we, that person's been charged. So we've got to see what, what mm. the, the court process shows. But there was a lot of that went on. Now, look. I was in the army when I was a young fellow. I was in the army for about thirteen years, and one of the things they teach you about at the very beginning is the role of the Australian Army in Australian society. And it's not there to be, um, it's not there to be some tool of government to uh, oppress the people. Um, and there's this concept they teach you, Chris, which is called a law. What the concept of a lawful command. In other way, in other words, like you know, you might you know, you know people in the street might think, well, in the army, it's all about obeying orders, but they actually train you. So, well, you know, if someone tells you to go and go down in a war zone to go and shoot that person, well, you have to weigh that up. You actually have to weigh that up. You you know, yes, it's the battlefield, but you can't be told to shoot a prisoner who's sitting there offering no resistance. That's that's, that's a war crime. You know, you don't do that. So what I'm saying to you here, I'm using that as an example. If you go back to the police... You yeah, arguably, you know, some of the stuff that Victorian police were asked to do was was bordering on the unlawful. Certainly it was against what the police service are meant to be doing, which is serving the community and community protect, protecting the community. Why is it OK, for example, to run a... ..for, for, for to stand back and have a Black Lives Matter protest? Right. right. That's OK. But then a protest about freedom is, is, is worthy of tear gas and not tear gas, sorry pepper spray and rubber bullets and dragging people off. And then literally in the last two weeks, Daniel Andrews walked down the street for, you know, um, you know, basically I'm not sure what the events called, but essentially it was in celebration of gay and lesbian rights. That's fine. Mm. But this is the hypocrite, the hypocrisy. I mean, I hooked into him by the way, in social media, the hypocrisy of that, the guy only a few weeks ago was saying, you shouldn't, you can't protest.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it, it was, it was midsummer. Protest, he, yeah. Is that the one you're talking about, the midsummer. That's midsummer. Event? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I hooked in you on that. He's he's a hypocrite and he's an opportunist. He, he he's a complete a complete disgrace. That just shows. It just he showed no. It was talking about equality. He showed no. He's showing no equality to people who don't wish to get vaccinated.
1: Yeah, he's, that's what he's been banging on about now for the last week, um, especially with this religious discrimination. But what's your thoughts on that?
0: You know, honestly, it's it, and this is a bit unusual for, for yours truly, for those people who know me, I'm really confused now and I don't know what I'd do. I'd have to actually look at the detail of this legislation. I really stress it. Normally I'm pretty black and white. I know my own mind. On this one, it's got really confusing and the chopping and changing and whatever. I mean, my personal view is I, I, I want people who have legitimate uh, religious beliefs to not be in, in trouble and fall foul of anti discrimination laws themselves about be mm. able to practice their religion. But, you know, I don't want to see someone uh, kicked out of a school, for example, because they gay, you mm. know, I, 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 you know, I, I have a real problem. I actually have a real problem with that. It goes back to what I said at the beginning, mm. you know, the party I'm in and my philosophy, it's libertarian. You know, I don't want to tell people um, how to live their lives. And I, and nor them tell me, and 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 sort of, if if the school I just mentioned that hypothetical school is getting government funding, and you know usually they are, well that that further reinforces my view. So it's a really difficult one. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, I'm just watching with interest about how this this shapes up.
1: Because for me, it's think back to I'm sure you remember the Israel Falau situation. Yeah. Where he made a post and he just shared, I think it was a verse from the Bible, which was said something yeah. about. Um, gay people going to hell if they, they're they sinning or whatever it was now but he was destroyed over that Yeah. Um, now I don't necessarily think he should be punished for sharing his religious beliefs because it wasn't him speaking about it it was a religious text that he's literally just copied and pasted Yeah. now if this religious discrimination bill was in play would that have happened to him
0: yeah well, so that's, 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 that's the, the question. question. We don't know what's we don't know what's going to come out of the sausage machine, and yeah, you know, it's like this. I mean, I how can I how can I put this? I feel the same way about Israel Folau from a point of view. I think there was a pile on. I don't think yeah. he. I don't think he should have lost his career, etc. Um, you know, with uh, the rugby union over it. Um, but yeah, you know, like I just yeah, you know, like the way. Well, not necessary. Maybe I'm sounding a bit old-fashioned. I, I thought he was being unnecessarily in the face of people in, in the gay community. I don't, like, it's like when I was brought up, you, you just didn't say nasty things to people in public. That was being rude. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't yeah. talk about people being rude anymore. But yeah. it was like it was in their face. And it was like, yeah. You know, so yeah, you know, I, I felt it like, mate, why don't you why don't you keep your views to yourself in terms of you to your church community, your religious community? Mm. Did you need to actually put it right out there and do that? Because he must have known. But, you know, mm. at the end of the day, I'd defend his right to say what every damn or likes without without sort of a big big you know, without at the end of the day a pile on, on the thing. yeah, you know, I, I just I just wish people would show respect for one another. He should have shown respect to people who have a different view. Um, and people should have, uh, he, but he's entitled to to say what he what he likes, even if we, th- you know, even if I think it's it was over the top. Yeah, and that's I
1: think we're losing that a little bit in terms of where I have no problem with anyone's op- opinions, views, or beliefs, but it's when you target an individual based on that. Uh, that's where I sort of think, well, you don't need to do that. You're just being a shit person. There's no need to do <laughs> that. Um, but there's a very fine line between that and also killing freedom of speech.
0: Oh, well, Um, that's what we are now. You mentioned Rogan earlier on. Um, Mm. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we're going. And, you know, I, I I think what's happening there is outrageous. It is
1: outrageous. The guy, think about it. If you, okay, he said the N word, he probably shouldn't have said that, but there's a big difference between him saying it in the context in which he was, was really just repeating jokes and, talking about titles and lyrics whatever he was talking about. There is actually there's people out there who genuinely don't like black people
0: who want to hurt them. There's people that's, that's... and that, and that mate, that is racism, as that's opposed right. to talking about you know stuff. I, I've I've seen nothing to suggest the guy's a racist. No, nothing. So at all. why is he being treated you know, why is he being treated like he is? And you know, and and yeah, you know, and as for and then take take Spotify, I mean, well you know, it, it, it seems there's a bit of a revolt internally with their staff. Well, I mean, grow up, grow up, you mob. Mm. Don't be so precious. You know, like, mm. you know, um, okay, we could we could go and like, do, do they? Okay, you, like Eminem. Mm. Eminem is on, you know, his music is on Spotify. I know because I listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. Well, some of his lyrics are pretty confrontational, and you know, to you know, to, in another time and place another era uh, he wouldn't even you know it, it, you, they used to bleep that stuff out on the radio
1: yeah
0: okay so so what do the Spotify crew think about about you know some of Eminem's lyrics
1: you know like
0: uh, so you know it, it, it it's like you just can't you know you just got to roll with it you don't you don't you don't get to like everything what people say and I think the, the important thing is that that you know, people who don't want to listen to, to uh, someone like Reagan on, uh, on Spotify, they don't have to. That's it's exactly entirely right, voluntary. Right. Yeah. They don't listen to him. Yeah,
1: one of, a, one, of, one of the things that happened to me is the funniest thing. I, it gets me every time is that what I'll, I'll post something, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, whatever, I'll, I'll share something and people take it personally. It's like I'm sharing something. I don't even know who you are. I've no idea you exist until you popped up and commented that it was offensive to you. I was talking about an issue in general and you've, for some reason taken offense to what I've said and and said it it, like it was directed at you. Don't follow me. Don't read it. Mm. Block me. I don't care. But why would you take what I say personally? There's thousands of
0: people that follow me. Why would I be talking about you in particular? well, going back to what you were asking about Folau earlier on, the, the problem that has arisen is, is really probably comes from this, um, the federal anti-discrimination legislation, the so-called 18C, mm. which you know, talks about, you know, essentially uh, you know, offending people. Um, and there's other bits in there. And my position is that, you know... it. <laughs> offense is just too loose it really is if, if I'm if I'm saying something that uh, encourages people to hate black people or Asians and suggest that you know we should visit violence on them or exclude them from employment or you know a, a role in this country know that's that's too far mm. but if I'm just expressing if I'm expressing uh, a negative view about them um, yeah, you know, in my view, that's not too far. That's you know, Yes, they've got every right to be offended, but should it be a breach of, a breach of the law? Well, I don't think so. And and that's where the our stuff came. I mean, again, I, you know, I to be crystal clear, I I, I I just think that that's you know if someone's doing that, that that to me is offensive. But I mean, I don't feel that I should and society should be the law should be coming down on them and shutting them down. I mean, if people say dumb stuff. Offensive stuff that's going to happen, by the way. I mean, as a, as a former politician, and maybe you want to be in it again, you know, you know people post stuff that's really offensive about me, mm. and I don't go, I don't curl up a little ball and have a big sook about it. You know, I oh. just got to wear that. So, so just interesting, it's okay for, for people to post stuff against all political figures that mm. is quite offensive, but they've got to roll with it. But do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's double standards here as well. But look, what, what the Lib Dems are saying in this Freedom Manifesto is our policy on this whole stuff is we want a constitutional amendment. Yep. Uh, so the Australian constitution should be changed to have a clause there that guarantees free speech uh, and the right to, you know, you know, the political discourse, et cetera. So we're suggesting that unashamedly we should go to a copy and paste from the American Constitution and whack it in ours. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the courts can then sort out uh, the interpretation of that locally. But I think the important thing is during this pandemic, you know, you'd agree, I'm sure, uh, that a lot of the American states have not bought into the COVID nonsense. They've allowed Mm. life to go on. They haven't restricted people's freedoms in the same way. And, uh, you know, that's why we're suggesting that that we go that way as well. So a lot of these things are tied into one another, Yeah, like that woman, who got dragged off? The pregnant woman in Victoria got dragged off for organising a protest. Mm. That's where, you know, that's where free speech was being curtailed. Absolutely, and that's wrong. And and
1: it's almost like you forget you live in a free country at times. The past two years, it doesn't oh, seem yeah. that way. But it's well, what
0: um, you, Chris. What's good's an Australian passport. Thank you, Scott Morrison. Mm. Yeah. Well, are they all? By the way, are they going to renew our passports for free? We had passports we haven't been able to use for two years are they going to give us a discount
1: i'd hope so i didn't think of that
0: (laughs) i think we can dream on mate that's not going to happen
1: it's this whole situation man it's so it's crazy and look i mean so that's your so was it the freedom manifesto and it's on freedom
0: manifesto yeah so it's on ldp.org.au slash freedom so we talk about a few things in this we just there's, there's various sections in it basically we we talk about freedom from COVID alarmism and what our policies would be there. We're talking about a thing called recall elections, where if enough people sign a petition, we can actually force, say, the federal government or the state governments to actually go to an election. So they have a, re- have a recall election in some American states like California. Yep. Um, yep. Debt and deficit. You know, we believe that what we're doing is we're incurring a massive amount of debt for future generations, which will hurt ultimately. And we have got to stop the crazy wasteful spending. Yep. Uh, we're talking about low, flat, simple taxes. So the, the tax rate's only 20% yep. and the tax-free threshold's 40 grand. And we're saying, you should get your money. It shouldn't be taken off you at a high tax rate, put through the washing machine of government and given back to people in terms of allowances and things like that. Yep. We're saying superannuation should be volu- voluntary. So right now, 10% of your money is basically taken by your employer and paid into a super fund. You should get that money uh, and make decisions about your own financial future. Uh, There's a whole lot about small business. We're talking about cheap and reliable energy. I back nuclear power, by the way. We back nuclear power. And if I get into the Senate, I'm going to actually put in a private member's bill to try and get the ban on nuclear power overturned. Um, we're saying a whole lot about education. We're saying parents should get a voucher, a funding voucher for their for their kids' education, and then they should be able to choose whatever school they want to go to, yep. um, and yep. that would actually really sort out some of the problems in the education system. Uh, there's stuff about freedom, free speech, and there's also a section on the way we've now got really a surveillance state in Australia. So, I mean, as you know, we've had all these check-in apps, yep. but there's been... Yep some legislation that's been put in that is quite scary where, you know, the the, the police and intelligence agencies can hack in to Australian social media, change yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Know, yeah. And it, it, it's done without a warrant from a judge. It has to go, just for, uh, goes to uh, someone at the, the, the Australian Administrative Appeals Tribunal, they can sign off on them doing that. It's just outrageous. It's it's akin to a phone tap, really. Um
1: well, they can even send emails and shit from you. They can send emails to whoever they want from your account.
0: Oh, yeah. They can really get in and, you know, they can basically, I assume, as some part of some sting operation. So, of course, yeah. these things are always justified on the basis that, oh, we're going to go after pedophiles and organised crime and all this sort of stuff. But then they, get mis- they do get misused. And this should never have been put through by a liberal government.
1: What's your thoughts on the digital ID bill?
0: Oh, look, I think that's pretty, uh, well, pre- pretty odious as well. I'm totally against that. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a director of a number of companies in business, and so I've now got a director ID number, again, a coalition government brought that in, you know. So, uh, by the way, one thing I should probably deal with, you know, you know for people in Queensland who, are, you know, sort of are concerned about what I did when I was Premier and I took on criminal motorcycle gangs, yeah. Uh, there was these laws I brought in, which were called the Vlad laws. Uh, and often people say to me, well, how do we believe you and trust you Campbell Newman? You brought in these laws that were very oppressive and were used, you know, the, the wrong way by police. Sp- and-
1: speak about those laws. I'm, I'm not familiar with them. So what exactly?
0: Okay. Well, basically what happened was the background to it, Chris, is that there was an incident um, while I was premier, where there was a, a basically a, a, a huge fight, basically a riot between two rival motorcycle gangs on a Saturday night on the Gold Coast in a public place, in a restaurant. They're throwing chairs and tables. It was very violent. The police came down. There was violence there as well. People were arrested. Gang members were arrested. They then turned up to the cop shop and demanded that their, their comrades be let out. Anyway, the place went nuts. And, and so there was real pressure on me to, to do yeah. something about it. And so we brought in some pretty tough laws, which were called the Vlad laws, um, VLAD. And you know, people at the time were quite concerned about that. And often, as I said, I get people going, well, hang on, how can you say you're against the digital ID thing or surveillance or whatever, how can we trust you? And I say this, look, I had to act. Mm-hmm. Um, the laws had sunset clauses in them, but you know what I'm, I'm prepared to concede today Uh, that if I had my time again, I don't think I'd have done it. What I would have done is I said to the police, use the laws you've got. They're more than sufficient. Because I think what I've understood in the last seven years, particularly looking back at that time and then seeing what's happening in Australia today, is that if you give too much power to the police or indeed public servants, health bureaucrats, they will take it and Mm -hmm. they will misuse it. And I do concede that, you know, probably the police in Queensland were pulling over people who just enjoyed motorcycle riding and whatever look the intent was correct it was right but you know yeah, you know, I really get these days that you know it was a step too far so I guess I I regret that I don't regret going after criminal gangs don't yeah, regret good. that at all and you know I'd certainly do that if I had the time again but I don't don't I I, I don't think those laws were needed we could have done it in other ways. So I hope people understand that. Uh, you know, I've, I've certainly got a reputation actually as being authoritarian, but um, I've got to live with that. But I really am someone who's always been very uh, anti new laws. I've, you know, that's on the public record as well, whatever, you know, people um, used to say to me, why don't we, why don't we crack down on this? And we could should crack down that and you should legislate for that. Yeah. Look, we've got enough laws in this country, there's enough sort of Enough laws to tie people up in red tape and bureaucracy and, you know, set people against one another. We don't need any more. We need, we need to be sensible about this.
1: Yeah. But it speaks to your character for admitting, I guess, as you said, in hindsight, that you may have got that one wrong. Um, but as you said, the intent was good. Um, there was obviously pressure on you at the time to make a decision, uh, to make a move, seeing as to what happened. Um, but shit happens. We learn, we make mistakes and, um i'm sure you
0: yeah well well, it wasn't yeah Again, it was it wasn't it wasn't it was the right thing to do to go after the gangs that absolutely had to happen but Mm. did we need these new laws i I actually reflect we don't we didn't and uh you know there was plenty of stuff that we could have gone after them on it's just the police needed to be given um you know a rev up to go after the gangs that was what, what that's what was needed is that
1: law still in place today
0: no, they're not. They've been, the Labor Party came and repealed them anyway, mate. But okay. uh, Yeah. But they, but the thing that's often lost is they had to be renewed. There were some set on aspects of them as well. So it's like, we certainly at the time were conscious that, um, that, uh, you know, they we didn't, they weren't, they weren't laws that we really, we how can I put this? Well, there were laws that we didn't really want to see in the long term. Anyway, there are certainly aspects of them
1: yeah just short term to get whatever it was under control and but
0: the lesson for me is that you know police will always and in, police intelligence agencies and bureaucrats will always ask for more power mm. and you know my learning out of it is you, you don't have to give it to them and no. what we've seen the last two year, two years for me really reinforces why you don't give it to them
1: you know? and yeah i think it could be a little bit of laziness on their on their part where um, instead of, of working harder and, and, and doubling down, they'd rather just get something passed to help them, I guess, a different tool to use uh, to make their lives a little bit easier as well, but
0: well, that's... Yeah, well, well why I saw, the Victorian police, I, I mean I really raised that for a reason. What the Victorian police showed us particularly last year was what happens when an organisation is given too much power and the politicians just sort of let them, let them go, they just acted brutally towards the community as as, as authoritarian thugs. Yeah, so that's pretty strong. Remember, I'm a former Premier. Mm. People see me in a certain way, but I've been incredibly critical of the Victorian police, and I've always supported the police in, in Queensland. Mm. You know, I, was, I was a big supporter of their role, and I've always had respect for them, but I hold the, the hierarchy, the top people in the Victorian police in contempt, mate. Right? I cannot mince words, I won't mince words. They are a disgrace to what yeah. they've done and the way they've they've done they've done the political dirty work for um, a person who shouldn't be the premier.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was an embarrassment. I mean, that was the footage from those scenes, you know, of the rubber bullets and the the train station incident, they went worldwide. that footage went around the world and and people were speaking about Joe Rogan was even speaking about Mm. what was happening down in Victoria. So um, it was a really bad look for the country, but what damage has that done though? We've got to think about that. What damage has that done to the trust that the Victorian people have in the police at this point, especially the children, like the kids saw that in the news and you know, what are they going to be like? Are they going to have the same level of trust that, you know, we had in the police because I can't imagine it's a good thing.
0: No, it, it's a bad thing, and and, and fair-minded, uh, free-thinking police officers, and I'm sure there's many in the Victorian police. Don't get me wrong, but they would tell you that, they would tell you that for sure. Yeah, you know, there's a lady by the name of Crystal, who's our she's our Senate candidate. She's number two on the ticket in Victoria for the Senate, yeah. and uh, she's a former police sergeant, and she took a principled stand. She 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 left because she, she just couldn't do what she was being asked to do anymore, and good on it. I, I think I've, I've seen that interview with her.
1: Um, there was another yeah. gentleman as well down there that was speaking at one of the rallies. I can't think of his name.
0: Dave, David Limbrick, it might have been. So he's our lead Senate candidate. He's a member of the Victorian Parliament for the Liberal Democrats. Okay. Yeah, so he's been at the forefront of, uh, you know. His speech, he was, his
1: speech was very moving. Even to me watching it, I, I was. it had that other element in there because he was taking responsibility. For the actions of the police and saying that we've been betrayed, or well, I've betrayed the people of Victoria, such it was, such a, it was oh, okay. a powerful so speech. Another person, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a powerful speech, and it was something where I, you know, it's it's different to hear that from a figure like like himself. I can't remember his name, I wish I can remember his name. Um, but incredible. If I if I see it, I'll, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. But it was such an incredible. It was actually part of the documentary, Battleground Melbourne. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of the first people that spoke in front of the camera. Um, yeah, it was incredible. But um, listen, I'm looking at the time kind of where you have to take off, but anything you wanted to end with?
0: Oh, I guess like if give if you'll indulge me, just to be blatantly political for a sec. I've yeah. told my story. I've left the Liberal National Party. I joined the Liberal Democrats. I'm, I'm disgusted in the major parties, what they've done across Australia in the last two years. And I just say to people, there's an election coming up. And I just urge people to really think long and hard about their choices. If we keep doing the same thing, we'll get the same result. And I'd urge people to please, we obviously, I'd like you to have a look at the Liberal Democrats, look at the people I'm, you know, if you're in New South Wales, there's John Ruddock who's standing for the Senate, David Limbrick, uh, Crystal and Caroline who are in Victoria. Uh, I've got Teagan as my running mate up here. Canelm in in uh, Tonkin in, in South Australia. So there's some great people running for the Senate. In some seats, we are running lower house candidates. So I'd ask people to look at us, look at the, the Freedom Manifesto. But you know what? If you don't, if we're not your cup of tea, look at the other minor parties. And my final thought, Chris, is put the major parties last. You know, mm. and you decide how you are going to allocate your preference votes. The the parties make recommendations, but you get to decide. And uh, you know that's the way you'll get change. Think about carefully about your decisions. So, please, we'd love you to vote for us. If you can't vote for us, certainly look at the other miners and don't you know don't don't give those major parties the you know the benefit of a high a high batting order vote, if I can call it that. And so um, that was my final word, mate. And look, I really appreciate being on on your show. So thank you so much for having having me. Oh, it was a pleasure. And pleasure You come on in the future if you. Want to hit me with some tough questions about something. You're welcome back
1: whenever. And look, I I, I think this is, like, we're in a very crucial time for Australia's future as to what's going to happen to this country. I think now is the time. I think this is a time where we can look, where we will look back in decades to come and think that election is where either reason why we're living as free as we are today or the reason unfortunately if it goes to the major parties because i can't see them changing their stance on a number of issues so you know it could be the reason why our children are living the way they live um under sort of a a police state in some aspect and i really do think this is a moment in that we will look back at i really do it's crucial this next election Mm -hmm. is very crucial now I'm, i'm very uh mutual to I said I will have you on, I'll have Malcolm Robertson, I'll have whoever it doesn't bother. Me. I'll have Dan, Daniel Andrews on tomorrow. It doesn't bother me. Mm. But um it's very important that people look at and, and think about the future. Forget the remember the past, but you gotta think more towards the future. I, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely.
1: But, I think it is it is a crucial election, mate. Right? So thank you. No, mate, you're welcome anytime. I appreciate it.